with work, if you believe like, oh, it's really just tedious and I don't know, toil, and it's meant to just be a character building lesson that doesn't provide a sense of purpose or fulfillment, then you are going to make decisions in your life that allow that. And so evaluate what you believe to be true and even some areas that you're worried that God wouldn't support that or you're like, oh, is it selfish to want that? Really evaluate what God believes about those things according to his character that you see demonstrated through his word. Study the word every day. A dream can be anything. Whether yours is to start a business, be in a healthy relationship, pursue your dream career, or to get right spiritually, every week the Dream Check podcast brings you tips, tricks, and real-life insight from people who are living their dreams to the fullest. I'm Nicole Ivanoff, an established international wedding photographer and wife. Like you, I have so many dreams, some of which I've lived out and others I'm still pursuing daily. I'm a girl from suburban Detroit who's made her way out to LA, and although I'm no guru, I have a heart to show you that if I or anyone who comes on this podcast can do it, so can you. Welcome to the show. Time to check in. What's up, friends, and welcome back to the Dream Check Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Ivanoff. If you are new to the show, thank you so much for tuning in. And if you're a returning listener, thank you so much. Your support, your listens, your streams, your downloads, your sharing of the episodes means the world to me. Today's episode is going to be amazing. I have my new favorite friend, Kelsey Kemp, on the show today. Kelsey and I met, I always want to say I meet people on Instagram because that's just so normal, but she actually emailed me back in January. She had this whole formal outline of an amazing topic with amazing questions for an episode. And man, was she so spot on. The episode is incredible. I'm so happy she reached out to me because the timing is perfect for today, for today's episode. The topic is how to find God's calling for your career, biblically speaking and practically. Kelsey shares her testimony of leaving her nine to five job to start her dream career, which her business is called The Called Career, which is incredible. She helps Christian professionals find their purpose and land incredible jobs that allow them to fulfill it for the glory of God and the good of others. She is an ex-tech consultant and, like I said, turned career coach and specializes in helping Christians fulfill their calling. On top of that, on top of serving 100 plus clients globally, literally from New York all the way to Sydney, she also is the host of Answer the Call podcast. She has been featured in Forbes, which is so incredible. She has an immense passion for pursuing big career dreams for the glory of God and the good of others. Like I said, could not say it enough. She is incredible. We talk on so many amazing topics. She shares five steps to discerning the line of work that God is calling you to serve through, which is so amazing. She talks about how we can use our dreams and talents to build his kingdom. She talks about what God's vision and purpose for work is. And man, when she talked about that, it literally blew my mind. So I cannot wait for you guys to hear it. Let's welcome Kelsey to the show. Hi, how are you? So good. Can't believe I'm here. Wow, the day has come. I'm oh so excited. Oh my gosh. I am so excited, you guys. Kelsey emailed me how long ago? Like last year, I think. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. It was my like, let's go, new year, new me. I love this podcast so much. I'm just going to email her. So I think it was like January 
third or something that I emailed you. And yeah, but here we are. Oh my gosh. Yeah, she emailed me. Yeah, January. And I remember reading it like, wow, this girl has like, this is a very put together formal email address. And sometimes those are email, sometimes really formal emails give me like, they intimidate me a little because I don't feel put together like that. And so I'm like, wow, this girl's got it going on. And at that point, I already had so many episodes recorded. So I was like, I'm going to reach out when I feel like it's meant to be. And I feel like this was so meant to be. And I'm so happy that you're here. And I'm so excited for this topic. There's so many things as I was like prepping. I'm like, wow, this could go like so many down so many different paths. If you want to <laughs> do like a five part, uh, no, we'll just yes. make a new podcast. I think actually like Nicole and there Kelsey talking about career things. There you go. <laughs> I love it. Well, you guys today, Kelsey and I are going to talk about how to find God's calling for your career, biblically and practically. But of course, we have to start with the burning question. What is a dream that you have right now? Mm, Okay, the honest version is to get a hot Christian husband, but, um, and maybe you could, well, your podcast has served up some good (laughs) advice on that front. Um, uh, (laughs) I could go into other dreams, but... Oh, to finish? No, let's keep that one. No, yeah, like that's the real one, honestly. I hired a dating coach today. Whoa. Because oh I just gosh. realized, like, how you're on much the way. I'm really on. <laughs> he's coming, guys. He's coming. Can't wait yes. to update you. <laughs> um, let's hear more about the dating coach. Okay. So I was listening to. Do you listen to Heart of Dating? No, you don't. You're married. Oh my gosh. Stop. Yes. But, no, Kate. Um, I'm shooting her wedding in August. No way. Which is so exciting. And yeah, so like when I first moved to LA, she was like a blogger back then. Yeah. And like before her podcast and like all her dating, like Instagram stuff. And she was one of the first girls that reached out to like shoot with me. We never ended up shooting. And then like as time passed, like we've just had so many mutual friends with like within the Christian community. And she's actually coming on the podcast as well, which is so exciting. <gasps> oh my gosh. What a small world. Well, I was listening to her podcast, and the last few episodes have been with Rachel Cheryl on masculine and feminine energy and dating. And I was like, yeah, okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And then she said this one line (laughs) that I think my jaw (laughs) hit the floor, and I became deceased, and I'm now revived and grateful to be having this conversation. But she said, if you (laughs) are acting like you're just trying to, like, have an intellectual conversation all the time. You are putting yourself in the shoes of trying to be like their business partner, but masculine mm. men, you might have a really interesting and engaging conversation for a while, but they don't want to mm. marry a business partner. And I was like, totally. Oh my gosh, I think I've been tech broing myself out on dates and it's making everyone <laughs> miserable. Oh my gosh. So there's my uh, humble pie for the day. So I was like, I got to do something about it. I got to Like, if I have invested so much in my career and health mm-hmm. and all these other things, I'm like, uh, might as well complete the millennial package and also hire a dating coach. I love it. <laughs> and I was going to say, I feel like, at least for me, when I was like in my dating phase, if I felt like there wasn't much else to talk about or the man wasn't like carrying the conversation, my comfort zone is talking about work because yes. it's like consumes most of my life. And so... Just to encourage you, it probably wasn't meant to be because if they weren't leading the conversation elsewhere, then you're left to chat about what you're passionate about, which is work. 
Exactly. You know? Exactly. I am trying my best to diversify topics, though, because I really could just talk about career stuff all day. And I hear myself, I'm like, I think you need to stop. But then ironically, we're here to talk about more career things. <laughs> mm, totally. No, it's a balance. My husband, Nico, and I were just talking about this because even in marriage, like when you have two people who have all these visions and dreams and goals, like we're so goal oriented, which I feel like most people are, but it's really hard for us on dates to not talk about work because it does consume us. Like we both work 24 seven. And so it's like, oh, how's this deal going? How is this wedding? What's your next biggest dream? Which I think it is great to like have dreams and share them together. But then it's another thing to like all your quality time conversations revolve around work. Like there has to be a balance. So I think it's, it's a constant like working on the balance, I guess, <laughs> a lifelong journey. Working on the balance. Exactly. Yes. My, I have an identical twin sister and she has her own business too. And she's going to be so mad at me when she gets home from her business trip this week because I cut my bangs just like hers <laughs> while she was gone. <laughs> but <laughs> so yay. Um, but anyway, we allow ourselves Friday night to talk about like, it's kind of cute. We go to a happy hour and try out a new restaurant most Friday nights and we allow ourselves to talk about work then. But then the rest of the weekend, she's like, talk about the present moment, Kelsey. <laughs> Don't talk about the future <laughs> or the past or work. She's good at that. I love it. That's so cute. And also, did you know that I'm a twin as well? What? No. Oh my gosh. We're fraternal. We're not identical, but that's such a cool fact. Oh, wait, a girl or a boy? Um, A girl. That is so cool. Oh my gosh. I want to relate on that more. That yeah, is so I'll to, sweet. I'll have to send you a picture after. Yes. And then I need to see a picture of you and your identical twin. I think identical twins are the coolest thing ever. Uh, Yes. It's very complicated to be one, but mm -hmm. it's kind of sweet. Did you, and this is like so off topic, but did you guys, cause we're fraternal and I feel like when you're twins, there's so much pressure on you to like be best friends and everything needs to be the same. And my sister and I were so different growing up, like literally polar opposite personalities. And we were compared so much and it created such like a pressure between us that we actually weren't even friends until we were in our twenties. Uh, copy paste. That's my story. Seriously. Love that it. is the same because <laughs> we are this uh, similar or the same on the outside, but on the inside, it seems like some kind of cosmic joke that God put extremely <laughs> different people in two very similar forms. And so it's been a big, long battle of learning how to be experts in each other's strengths and loving our differences. Mm. I feel like it's almost been, <laughs> I've wondered, is this what marriage is like? It's so intense. <laughs> <laughs> Literally copy paste. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I man. love it. Okay. Well, I'm getting so sidetracked because so Kelsey and I have never met before. So we kind of like briefly talked before we started the episode for like literally two minutes, but I'm like so excited right now because I feel like I already like her a lot and I don't even know her. So I'm getting, <laughs> I'm getting so distracted, but I didn't even ask you. So I gave an intro of you before the show, but share a little bit about who you are, 
where you live. We know you're an identical twin. What else should we know about you? <laughs> Ooh, what else? Okay, so uh, I have a three-legged cat. I have a career coaching practice in which I specialize. That was weird segue. Way too smooth. Okay, so I have, I have a career coaching practice in which I specialize in helping Christians discern what they feel called to do and then practically land a job that aligns with it without having to go back to school or oftentimes even take a pay cut. The most shocking thing to me is that when I was trying to discern my own calling, I was really susceptible to that myth that, you know, when I have you ever heard that quote like, if you do something you love, you'll never work a day in your life yes. because they're probably not hiring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, oh, that my gosh. Hit. Um, But I always have this misconception that you're just going to have to give up your financial goals if you want to do something meaningful. But mm. just this other week, I calculated on average um, the people that I have gotten to support and be a part of their career journeys. They're getting 10 to 30 percent even uh 196% raises, which is so crazy. That was like the highest one. I took him out because I was like, that's just going to skew my calculation <laughs> way too crazy. Yeah. Um, but I live in Austin, Texas. I am an eighth generation Texan. I love my homeland. I think I'm going to get too sidetracked. So I could leave my little intro there. <laughs> Great. Something that stood out to me is like the profit increase, because I think, and just what I've experienced in my own personal life is what I think the quote should be is when you love what you do, you're willing to work harder and longer at it. In that case, you will begin to profit more because you're working harder and you're willing to go the extra mile. I am so glad that this is recorded. Can I just dub that and send yes. it to all the people I'm working with right now? Because that was so logical the way that you laid that out. Because I think that is the key differentiator between the misconception I said which mm -hmm. it, and what you said, which is on my side of the coin of what I was hearing was follow your passion. And when we talk about passion or calling, which often has this uh, perception that you're going to go into, I don't know, like missions in a developing nation. But on the opposite end of the spectrum, when you have a career that's based on who you are and the best of what you have to give, it only makes 100% pure logical sense that you would be serving the most exceptionally, solving the biggest problems, compensated mm -hmm. very beautifully for that as well, and see what my church last summer, we all read the four Gospels together. We did this whole reading challenge. It was really cute. And one theme that I never knew about before was called the Matthew effect, which is mm -hmm. a name for this principle that you'll see Jesus echo a lot, a lot, a lot of put in like the few faithful seeds and you see a harvest that is 30, 60, even a hundred times what was sown mm. and or even the multiplication of the loaves and the fish that were offered up in service to the Lord. And he's, it's not our job to multiply things. It's our job to lift up to him what we, mm -hmm. the best of what we have to give, whatever that is. And I just think that when we lead a career with that energy of here is I'm going to master what is most aligned with my innate talents and who God created me to be. You're right. That makes 
perfect sense that you're Mm -hmm. tenacious about it. You put Mm -hmm. in more and more and more because you're just so excited. And then you also receive. And I think, especially in today's age, like everyone wants that instant gratification. Mm -hmm. And if they don't have it, then they think it's failed or they're not worthy of it. And even statistically speaking, like take God and faith out of the equation. When you start a business on your own, it usually takes three to five years to start seeing a profit. And so you just have to be patient. And like you said, and wait for the seeds to grow because Mm -hmm. they will grow, but you have to be willing to put in the work and it's Mm -hmm. not easy. But when you love it and you're passionate about it and it's something that really fuels your fire, then you're willing to do those things and wait. Like I've been doing photography 10 years, just in the last two years, I've reached the peak of my career. I think I'm almost to the peak of my career. I'm profiting more than I've ever profited, but I've, I've literally put in the work for 10 years. Yes. And so I'm starting to see all of the beautiful benefits of the job. I'm booking dream clients, like clients that I build relationships with that, you know, it's just like a whole positive, like never ending beautiful cycle when you're passionate and when you put in, you know, the blood, sweat and tears into your passion. Amen. I wrote myself a five-year permission slip to look like an idiot. I just said, I love it. I am willing for this to take five years of struggle to have 40 or 50 years of remarkable work that I have mastery over and success in because it's so easy to see all the authors we love, the podcasters that we praise, the speakers we think are so amazing because they are, and to be so discouraged because we don't see how to cross the chasm between where we are and where they are. But Mm -hmm. really, I had to accept that this isn't rocket science. It's just uncomfortable to really craft a career that you feel called to. And no one, almost no one, has an exception to the story of difficult sacrifice, extreme discomfort, but are they saying it's not worth it? No. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, especially, oh my gosh, I was in my early 20s while I was 24 when I made the leap. I thought, isn't this what my 20s are for? But I also currently support like 55-year-old men and they're still ready Mm -hmm. to have their chapter three. You can start at any, literally any time. It's so sad when I hear like, I even asked like my dad once, My he had said something to me like, oh, you're lucky to be, you know, living and doing your dream job. He's like, I'm in my 50s and it's just, it's too late for me. And he said it in like a cute, like unbothered way. And I was just like, sad, like there's no age that's too old to like go after what you love. No. Some of my three favorite clients were all 65. Mm. They said, I want to work for another five years. I want to do something wonderful. Mm -hmm. One of them submitted a patent to compete with Elon Musk's Neuralink. I love it. Come at that. Is that not worth it? That's crazy. And you know what? My husband, he was in this like leadership, um, like mentorship class a couple months ago. And I think there were like maybe eight to 10 people in the the class. And 
he was the youngest in the group and he's 30 and everyone in there was like in their fifties or sixties. And, and their goal was to just like learn tools to be better leaders for their family, for their career. And it encouraged him. He's like, man, like all these guys, and it's never too late to better yourself mm-hmm. and to do something better for no. your life. No, not at all. Okay. So I want to hear your testimony of leaving your job, your nine to five mm-hmm. to start your dream job. The, the called career LLC. I love it so much. The name is awesome. Thanks. That all originated with me. I still have that group text with my friends Molly and Sydney. Shout out to you guys. Actually, I'm staying at Molly's house tonight because I'm a baby and I don't like staying in my house alone while Kirsten's gone. But anyway, I'm the same. Um, so <laughs> she, I was like, guys, options A, B, C, D. What should I name my company? <laughs> and they picked the called career. But anyway, my testimony. So I, from my earliest age, you know, there really is, I wonder what you think about this, some credit to the, like, you see yourself so purely when you look at your little self, like, how did she act? Mm-hmm. What did she like? Mm-hmm. And there really is something to that because I always knew that I wanted to start a business. I even, this sounds so corny but it is can be confirmed that when I was six, I, I told my parents, why did you name me Kelsey? Because that doesn't sound like a serious business lady name. I don't know what I wanted oh to be gosh. named. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. Sandra, is that even a serious You are all about the name? business, girl. Oh, I was hustling. <laughs> and I did start a few businesses in my earlier years. I mean, even one in my teens that became what my sister's business is now. She took that over and is doing really well with that, which is just so crazy. But I was still waiting for that adult idea to launch my adult career. And in the meantime, I was pursuing a career in professional ballet and I was homeschooled. I was training morning and night. I went to a ballet boarding school in my last year of high school, but all when I was leading up to the peak moment of I've been training from six to 18 years old, to get to this moment where I'm auditioning for professional companies after my intensive training, I got so injured. I was in a wheelchair for two months. It turns out I had like early osteoporosis and things that were leading to um, arthritis as an 18 year old because my training was so intensive. Oh my God. But all to say, I know what it's like to lose a dream because I was still fighting to keep that career. That was all of my childhood that I was working towards that. And I have worked with uh, former athletes now and my heart goes out to them so much because you go for a dream so like with everything that you have all to break my both of my feet, be in a wheelchair and be kicked out from the training academy because they didn't think that I was going to make it past that. And they didn't want to sink any more resources into a girl that kept on getting injured. And so they said, sweetie, go to college. And so that afternoon, you know, cried harder than I've ever cried. I was like, wow, that was a solid 12 years of my life that I was working towards this. But I was like, all right, well, it's time to just focus on my business dreams again. I went to uh, Texas A&M University. I was a business undergrad. And that's where... I encountered Groupthink USA. <laughs> and that's where I started to realize that 
oh, I, these questions are really complicated around, well, what do I feel called to do with my life now? What, how do I make good on that old dream to start a business? Ah, oh, no, too early, unrealistic. I need to have those two to five prove yourself years. All right. Well, then what does everybody else say is good and impressive to do? And I found myself leaping into the just ladder climbing and hoop jumping attitude where I was like, oh, okay, is consulting the most impressive thing to do? Great. I have my task list. I'm going to go get a job in that. So I did. I got a job uh, as a technology consultant with a global consulting firm, and I put all of myself into doing well in that. But one of my mentors at the time, when I told him, guess what? I got the coveted job. He was the one person that was straight with me. And he said, without hesitation, what a mistake. What a mistake. And I thought, wow, ouch, you don't get the game. Don't you realize that I am like the ideal Mays Business School grad? I did what we're supposed to do. And I ignored his advice. He was like, well, you're a people person. You care about deep conversation and like engaging a room and having uh, like these deep life talks. And I was like, well, that's not a job. What the heck? Like, you should know that. You're a seasoned professional. And... (laughs) Lo and behold, he really does know what he's talking about. (laughs) And so I go into two years at the consulting firm where I just burned myself to a crisp, becoming intimately aware of the problem that I now solve, which is feeling like I really do believe that most people really do have a fairly decent inkling of what they would like to do. They just don't think that they could get paid to do that, mm-hmm. or they don't know what that job is called, or they believe that they shouldn't give up their existing income or security. And uh, I mean, that's like generally fair, but when you're 22 and making a bunch of money, it's kind of like, what the heck? Mm-hmm. You, like You have an opportunity to live a more authentic life. I don't think that you actually need to give up a more suitable career path just because of your current good income. Or yeah, people are just worried about what others will think. Oh my gosh, my three-legged cat just stretched out his one good arm and it was really precious. Oh (laughs) my gosh. (laughs) Um, Anyway, (laughs) but I just realized, I looked around me and I realized that most people, regardless of if they were in their 20s like me or older, just had no light behind their eyes. And listen, I'm not asking mm-hmm. for everybody to come in and like have a sing along in a boardroom. I'm not, I don't, mm-hmm. I wasn't, I don't think having unrealistic expectations generally of what fulfillment had to look like on a daily basis. But I just realized most people aren't happy. I don't want to be my boss. I don't want to be my boss's boss. I don't even like the topic that I'm learning. I'm spending every ounce of my energy trying to be good at things I'm not not naturally talented at QR conversation before recording about not naturally being tech savvy and getting a job in tech, (laughs) which was hilarious. Um, But I didn't know what else to do. And when I looked into other, uh, like I took every personality test on the planet and none of them predicted my ideal job because they're not designed to do that. And cue this spiral of just realizing, I think I just need to start with ground zero, open hands and say, God, and this is such a pure and beautiful prayer when you're able to say this with your whole heart. But I remember saying, 
God, I'll really do anything. Please just send me. Mm. And through that, I started to realize that I went back to those initial dreams of starting a business, but not knowing what to do. But I remembered this phrase that my mom used to always echo. It's a conventional phrase around the mother of invention is necessity or necessity is the mother of invention. And so I thought, what is the most meaningful problem that someone could solve for me in my life right now? Came pretty quick. I thought, oh, to help me figure out what to do with my life. And I thought, well, this is awkward, but I think I'm supposed to be client zero. I don't know how to solve this, but I am willing to solve, like, work with all of my heart to figuring that out. I, through some research, realized that that's called a profession named career coaching. I quickly signed up for a certification program, got into that, immediately realized this is totally my thing, quit my job. It's been four, well, a little over four years now. Just had my business birthday. Congratulations. Happy birthday. Thank you. Oh, man, she is glowing. I love it. Uh, and it was extremely humble. And even the first three years, but remember, I gave myself a five-year budget to look like a mm -hmm. destitute, sad person. Um, and I, I think I really gave myself a run for my money at some points. But I've helped over 125 people through launching their careers that they genuinely feel called to. I've gotten to be mentioned in Forbes. That was a total surprise. That's a miracle that I could talk about in and of itself. Incredible. I have gotten to speak on stages that I dreamed of. And most of the time, I'm just sitting here thinking, this feels so like a joke because I was like the most insecure person. I was so scared that my career wouldn't amount to anything. I was so scared that my parents and others were uh, right in saying, you really just have to suck it up mm -hmm. and just work hard and pay for the people who are doing the real work, which is being a missionary, quote, full-time missionary. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that is coming from a very bad theology of work, but we could talk about that later. <laughs> Yeah, another topic for another day. <laughs> I think that's incredible. And what I love, something you said earlier, um, is I think everyone kind of deep down knows what they would love to do, but there's so much fear around like you said, leaving the stable job. Some people like are, you know, in their thirties and have multiple children to support and like quitting what's stable to like pursue their dream isn't like feasible like at all given like their circumstances and just to encourage anyone who might be in that situation like when i started my um photography business i was a full-time nanny i was a live-in nanny 50 hours a week for the first three years of my photography business i cleaned houses i cleaned houses <laughs> yes, you have you have to do something like and and it goes back to like you will be willing to sacrifice your free time to put in the work. Like I worked 7 a.m. until 6 p.m. like Monday through Friday. And Saturday, Sunday, I was bouncing around all over the town doing shoots, 3 to 4 shoots a day just to like get, you know, work on the days I had off. And so it is possible like if you're in a position where you can't necessarily quit the stable job. 
maybe you can find a way to like have that job, but also work on your dream. And then when that dream gets to a place where you can maybe quit the job, then you can do that. So every, you know, everyone has different circumstances, but I love your story because what I love about what you left to do and what I think creates a lot of success is when you're serving others. I think we are created to serve. And when you create a business that's giving back and helping others and serving others, I think God's always on board with that. And so I love what you're doing. I'm curious of your um, advice on this or what you would say to this, but you know, there are people who just kind of complain nonstop. It's like, oh, I hate my job. I want to leave. I want to do this. I want to do that. And part of me thinks like, okay, well, if you can never be content with where God has you, like, where's your joy actually coming from? Because if you quit that job that you have to work so hard at every day, guess what? You're going to have to work harder for your own dream. And so what's the balance in in that? Yeah. Because I think people get it twisted. And I do mm. think like God is trying to teach all of us something in every season that we're in. And so if you're just nonstop complaining at that job that you already have, like God could have you there for a specific season to help someone there. And if you're so busy complaining, you're going to miss it. He could even reveal your dream through that job. You know, he did for me, even though it was exactly literally like, girl, I'm showing you that you've got to do the opposite of what you're doing now. But he did use it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I maybe I don't know. I'd like your thoughts on this. I have maybe an interesting take on this. Well, first, I'll share the more conventional thing of it just kind of depends on what you're dissatisfied with. I realized that I think it's just really natural and okay that I was dissatisfied because I was working crazy hours. And part of that is like, okay, I definitely took that and received it as an opportunity to toughen up, get some reps in for a hard work ethic. Mm -hmm. And especially your first few years of work out of college, if you've really uh, not had too much of a working life and just been in academics, which tends to be kind of a comforting cocoon for a lot of people, which hot take, I think a lot of people stay mm-hmm. super long in school and get master's degrees just because they quote, like school. And I'm, mm. can I share a super hot take? I'm like, how is that serving society? We're meant to yeah. contribute. We're meant to give. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh man. Oh, I'm going to, don't hate me. Well, it's okay if you do. I can't make you feel anything, but um, I <laughs> think that just exploring why you're dissatisfied would be really helpful. And part of me thinks that sometimes we work so hard, and maybe this is kind of the counter example to your take on this, which I think is really valid. But the counter example that I think of is sometimes we work so hard on emotional management in putting all our energy into being content in our job, when maybe you're not thriving there just because you're not meant to be there. And it's actually totally Mm. okay to go and explore a more helpful option for you. Totally. And so I found I had a lot of guilt, especially since in my uh, Christian experience, the messaging that I heard in church around work, if anything, was typically along the lines of the way to be a good Christian at work is to never quit, never give up, uh, realize that your physical work probably doesn't matter at all. Just make sure you cut a paycheck and donate a good amount of that to the people who are like, you're either staying, praying or paying. Literally, Mm. Uh, it was my upbringing um, messaging. 
around a very straw man view of God's view of work. When God says that physical work matters, again, I hope that we uh, expound more on that concept in biblical teachings on work later, but I think that we have a lot of guilt around seeking thriving in our career or other Mm. areas of life when I really just think thriving isn't selfish. It's the product of exercising wisdom. And I think that you could take a cold, hard stare at your life. And I believe in the Holy Spirit to give you discernment on if you really do need just an attitude adjustment. If it's really not time to leave, I 100% trust the Holy Spirit to make that clear to Mm -hmm. you. And also, I trust that you might realize some things that are going to be helpful to change in your next job, and you don't really have to stay there forever. That was such a good counter. I loved what you said. Oh, I'm glad. <laughs> Though so I think good. it's probably helpful to delineate that when I assume, this is a totally assumption, that people look at your business and your self-employment, and it's easy to assume a lot of things about Mm-hmm. Oh, it would just be better if I were self-employed or like she's living the dream or whatever. And mm-hmm. it's kind of easy to attract some statements that you're like, oh, girl, if you only knew, like it's going to be a lot of hard work. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, here's some perspective. But oftentimes I'm working with and talking with people who are looking to go from traditional W-2 employment to traditional employment. Mm-hmm. So what do you think God's vision and purpose for work is? I think that... Oh, I get so fired up about this. So we start, I think our primary focus is appropriately, we as Christians uh, associate the word calling with the Great Commission, which I would definitely affirm that Jesus made that very clear in his own word, that that is our primary calling to go and make disciples, teach and baptize and help people to come to faith, saving faith in Jesus Christ. And we have turned that appropriate focus into one-track thinking And instead, I think appropriate God-informed view of work realizes that, yes, we are called to first come to have a saving relationship and be unified with our Creator ourselves, then also to help others share in that joy and that experience, but then so we can return to the first calling that we ever received, which is in Mm. Genesis chapter 1, baby, it says, uh, (laughs) first off, what do we know about God. We know that He is a creator, especially when you study Hebrew, there's a principle of first mention, which is very important because it shows you the first thing that is mentioned to describe something Mm -hmm. is supposed to influence your view of it more weighted than some other things that you learn that are mentioned later in the text. So, the very first thing that we learn about God, imagine having zero understanding of God, and the first thing He says is, we see Him being a creator of the universe and everything in it. And then the first thing that we get to know about ourselves, he says, you are created in my image. And then the first thing that he says that our purpose is, like literally, you are meant to do this, is he says, be fruitful and multiply, fill and subdue the earth. 
Ah, and he is saying, go out and model me. You are made in my image. So therefore, image me in two main things that we see. I think that our biggest opportunity to show and experience ourselves as the Imago Dei made in the image of God is to experience relationships. We see that in the Garden of Eden. And then also to experience work as an act of mimicking our creator by creating, cultivating the potential of what is created, and then caring for what has been created and cultivated. Creating, cultivating, caring. And that is what good everyday work falls into. And then we even see Jesus saying, here, let me teach you how to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our trespasses, all these things. And how are we actually given bread without God answering that? Of course, we see him provide manna at times and whatnot, and he could totally do that. But why skip out on him answering? Isn't it amazing when God answers prayers through other people that you then get Mm -hmm. to have a living relationship with? That is Mm -hmm. so amazing. And so God actually answers the prayer by giving us farmers and people who transport the grain and process it and bakers and front counter people who sell you the bread and Mm -hmm. give us our food. And that is how, honestly, what someone will not even get a chance to hear the gospel if a doctor is in such malpractice that it ends someone's life Mm -hmm. or that someone is experiencing Uh, Or even like if there aren't financial structures or infrastructure for travel, how can we go Mm -hmm. to the nations Mm -hmm. or even, I mean, hopefully pay attention to your home home first. But (laughs) that I think that we miss the obvious so hard on how much God Mm -hmm. dignifies work and celebrates it. And I firmly believe that our nine to five experience is one of our best ways to know God, experience him as we image him and also rely on him for strength and ideas as he flows his power through us as a gift to the world, as we are practically helpful. I believe that with all my being that our nine to fives are one of the best opportunities that we have to know God, rely on Him, and image Him. And I love work. I love work for that reason. My jaw has been like dropped the whole <laughs> last couple minutes. That was such a good picture of how God views work. And you're right, like all those nine to fives, every job on the planet, it connects all of us. Mm-hmm. It does. Like you said, we go to the grocery store. Who, who's setting up the aisles? Who's building the grocery mm-hmm. stores? Who's building what, whatever it may yes. be? Like we are all connected through work. We were born and created to serve and to work. Yes, literally. And so I love how you put that all together. That was so good. Oh, I'm so glad. Can I say one more thing? I just had a little epiphany that to tie back to, like, if you're experiencing dissatisfaction, I would urge you to consider that it does not mean work is bad and you should give up, roll over, die, and realize that your career is just going to be miserable. No, just consider that you might be serving in the wrong part of the body of Christ. You might be Mm. functioning as a different part than what is intended for you because 
It does not mean if you're having a very bad experience with work, and let's say in a more intense example, if you have never experienced satisfying, beautiful, purposeful work, where you feel that sense of flow and mastery and excitement and energy, consider not that it doesn't exist or that work is just condemned, or I get this question like, oh, wasn't work cursed in the Garden of Eden? I'm like, no, do you go around saying that marriage has been cursed, that childbearing, or like actually having children is cursed? No, it's just subject to fruitlessness and frustration and tears, but it does not mean that those entities were cursed, just like Mm -hmm. work was not cursed. It's still been blessed all along. But if you are experiencing dissatisfaction, I have Oh, my heart is so compelled towards this vision that everyone figures out their part in the body of Christ by looking at your function, by looking at your innate abilities, what you're naturally attracted to, what you could think about, talk about, or research for a good portion of your day, or what fascinates you, or what breaks your heart. Everybody is uh, kind of resonates mm-hmm. with something different. Some people are really tied to a function and they just love being a functional expert. Others are more missional and they don't really care what they have to do to serve that objective. There's just so many different kinds of categories of how I've seen Mm -hmm. people experience calling, but I believe that in heaven, everyone will work and no part will be honored one above the other and every part is needed and Oh my gosh, sorry, I could keep on geeking out on this for a really long time, but I just believe that in heaven, everyone will find their place and there won't be struggle. I love it. Again, such a beautiful picture. I heard this um, quote once from a pastor, and he said, how to know, because there's a difference between calling and purpose. And I feel called to photography. I genuinely, I I feel like I have definitely, it's been a journey the last 10 years, but I honestly have met so many people who have led me to my faith through photography. Like some of the first people I met in LA when I started, like when I moved out here for photography were Christians. I didn't, I was, I didn't grow up Christian. I'd never had Christian friends. So like, I feel like God placed people in my life through photography, through clients, like random clients that were like, were Christians and very open about it, which is crazy. But I don't think that photography is my purpose. And what I mean by that, and I think I'm, I've said this before on the podcast, but you know, I'm, I'm very confident in photography. I've been doing it 10 years. I, I don't necessarily need to pray every day for work or for, <laughs> yeah. for God to like, you know, do things. And pho- I'm very confident in it. And so this pastor said, if you don't need God for it, it's probably not your purpose. So basically you're going to need God for your purpose. You'll probably feel not confident in whatever it is. You'll probably feel intimidated, uncomfortable, all these things that will make you seek God for it. Like for me, like I've been wanting to write a book for years. I'm like, I'm not a writer. I don't even like reading. Like it's Can we have an accountability group on that? <laughs> oh my gosh, please. I need it. It's been a journey since literally I became a Christian. <laughs> but it is so funny because going back to what you said earlier, I had this teacher in second grade and she actually got fired the year after um, 
her I was in her her class because she never followed curriculum. It was basically like an art class or like a writing class. She had us like writing every single day and I fell in like fell in love with writing. Like she had us write like no one's going to be able to see me, but these little tiny like books the size of your hand and we would just creative write every single day. And I used to like from that point on, I used to like write all the time in my room, write little books like I have a whole box of them at my parents' house. And then as I've gotten older, I just, I've, I've lost my confidence in my writing, but as a child, I loved it. And it was such a dream of mine. And so when you said that earlier, I instantly thought of that, like that little girl who was like, so going to be a writer and was obsessed with writing was so confident in it. And then like life happened and you became an adult and now you have all these fears and insecurities. But when you go back to like your childlike state, like that, I think is like the purest form of who we are, even as adults. So like tapping into like the child version of yourself, I think is really important when it comes to like, what is my passion? Like, what are my dreams? Where along the path of becoming an adult did I lose my confidence and why? You have to do it. Girl, it's it's a work in progress. I'm going to hit you up, be like, is it going? How's it going? Are you doing it? When? (laughs) Hype you up. (laughs) One of my best friends who also, um, she manages my podcast, literally is like my life angel. She encourages me all the time for the book. She's a graphic designer. She's even mocked up like what the cover would be like. She randomly (laughs) sent it to me. She's like, this does not have to be your cover, but I'm just sending this to you to encourage you so you can like kind of see it more to life. Which is so great. Another topic for another day of just... Oh my gosh. What's her name? Let's give her a shout out. Courtney Acuna. She's the best. (laughs) Courtney, you're a real friend. Yes. Teaching us all how to be friends. So something I hear people say a lot or I'll get in my DMs is, my gosh, like... I'm just graduating college and I don't know what I want to do or I have this job, but it's not what I love. Like, where should I start? And I always say, like, you just have to start. Like, God can't move unless you move. And I love that quote because you can't just be sitting around and praying for, like, your dreams to, like, appear out of thin air. Like, Mm -mm. you have to move, whether that be... Like, even for me for this podcast, like, I had no idea what I was doing, but I just, like, got the Instagram handle... like started reaching out to people who did know about podcasts, did all that I could to just like make it happen. And then God was making moves, but I had to start. Like you can't make moves without taking the first step, you know? Exactly. God can only guide an object that is in motion quite logically. If you Mm -hmm. think about it, if you're asking God to guide you, that's like a, a move maybe to the right or to the left. If you're asking him to move you, but your feet are planted and you're like, I'm not going to do anything until you guarantee that this is going to lead to my best life now. (laughs) Shout out to Lucina Lowell, that book. Oh my gosh. Um, (laughs) Hot take. I'm not actually giving a shout out. That was facetious, but um, ah, wow, hot take queen. Um, But you will get drilled into the ground and go nowhere. You have to, Mm -hmm. like God, read Proverbs chapter 16. God promises that he guides your steps. He guides your steps, but you have to lift your foot. He will guide it midair. Trust him. Trust him. Trust him. And your Mm -hmm. advice is so spot on, particularly to someone in the situation of being very early stage career, post-college, they're just wrapping up. I am so compassionate to that situation because 
it's just a fact of life that you're still early on in understanding yourself and you certainly don't have all the answers yet. And that's okay. I think it's really good to just accept that as a feature of the situation and to not be concerned about exactly it has to be perfect or I have to um, know that this is my life's calling. That just wasn't, <laughs> I consider myself extremely lucky that I got a sense of what I was called to do when I was 24. I think that's pretty early, so <laughs> I don't want to put a limit on God in your life, but you know, I just wouldn't take back that early career decision though, because I'm not unrealistic about, I don't think I had any other tools in my kit for that earlier stage of life. I don't know how I would have made a different decision than tech consulting. And look at all, like, God works everything to good in the end, and that's totally okay. And I love this quote. Everybody should listen to this podcast. It's Tim Ferriss's podcast. Do listen to that. Sometimes it's really good. But he Mm -hmm. um, interviewed Boyd Vardy, and it's an episode called The Lion Tracker's Guide to Life. And it's this ancient practice of over thousands of years, these tribesmen in Africa have practiced the art of tracking animals, these majestic beasts in the wilderness over a vast, vast wilderness expanse. And picture it, it takes hours, but more likely days, days and days and days to notice one maybe disturbance in the leaves that leads to another track, that leads to another track, that ultimately leads to the shadowed leopard hiding up in a tree many miles away. But one of these tribesmen, he said, always with this chipper voice on these tours with uh, tourists that are getting really tired of the game and they're like, I just want to see the freaking lion right now. He's like, I don't know where we're going, but I know exactly how to get there. I don't know where I'm going, but I know exactly how to get there. Because you technically, I could never have predicted with my finite human brain that I would be something called a career coach. Took me a while to figure out even what that was, even after I was in it. And you can't know where the lion is in the wilderness, but you know exactly how to get there, which is one breadcrumb at a time. Forget, like if you try to have ultimate certainty of your success and your satisfaction before you make a move, you'll lose everything, you'll get nothing you will seriously get nothing. But if you release the expectation of certainty and realize that your certainty is with God, you are secure in Him. He is caring for you. But make God loves chutzpah. That's what I loved from my study of the Old Testament. Every time I read it, I just realize that like Jacob was a total jerk, honestly. Even Abraham had some pretty jerk moves to his wife. Oh my gosh. But they were... Men of God, I think, ultimately, because God is gracious. And then also, they wanted their inheritance. Mm -hmm. They wanted it. Like, it reminds me of the energy I had behind that prayer. Like, God, I'm standing here. I am not giving up. I am in this weird park outside of Dallas alone because I'm like, is this what people do when they're really desperate? I'm like, show (laughs) me what you want me to do with my career. I will do anything. I will let you write the plan and I'll sign off rather than me writing the plan and you sign off. I will let that happen. Mm -hmm. So give up your control and desire for certainty and you'll get everything in return. I firmly believe that. 
So good. And I just have to add for anyone listening that might be in a situation, just stay in your lane. Stop looking at what everyone else is doing. Stop comparing your job, your career, your business to someone else's who, someone who may be doing the same line of work as you, but they're further along and they've been doing it less time. Who cares? They're not on the same mission as you at all. And another reminder is, and this always really encourages me when I think about like, you know, God dreams I have, which is there is someone out there who needs what's inside of you. Yeah. And your goals, your dreams, your mission, your purpose is never actually about you. It's always about other people. And I think that'll kind of segue us into, um, I want to end on what are the five steps to discerning the line of work that God is calling someone to serve through? Oh man. Okay. I'm going to do the hyperspeed version. Here we go. Cause I actually spent like Let's get three it. to six months going through this with each of the oh people that I work with. <laughs> but um, first we have to actually, instead of just, oh my gosh, I'm not going to offend y'all's intelligence and just start right off with like, explore what you're good at. No, no, no. I actually think that you know a lot of that stuff. There are mm-hmm. some key areas that actually I think most people would be surprised makes all the difference. But first ground zero point is you have to start with evaluating your beliefs of work. What were you trained and cultivated to believe is possible for your career? What did you see modeled? What do you believe is and isn't available to you? What do you believe in regards to what God thinks you should use your career for? Because I I start there because what you believe to be true influences everything that you do. It really does. And therefore, it influences everything that you receive. And an example is if you believe that work actually was cursed in the Garden of Eden and you should just give up first again. Nobody applies that to marriage. We're still like me going out looking for hot Christian husbands. But a lot of people just like, (laughs) wish me luck, girlies, help, send your (laughs) prayers. But with work, if you believe like, oh, it's really just tedious and I don't know, toil and it's meant to just be a character building lesson that doesn't provide a sense of purpose or fulfillment, then you are going to make decisions in your life that allow that. And so evaluate what you believe to be true and even some areas that you're worried that God wouldn't support that or you're like, oh, is it selfish to want that? Really evaluate what God believes about those things according to his character that you see demonstrated through his word. Study the word every day. And wow, that was a bold statement. Do I do that every single day? No, I think I'm averaging like five out of seven days a week. Okay, there we go. But anyway, so then after reevaluating your beliefs and aligning them with the truth until you realize that God is totally on your side and you know what is up to you versus what is up to God, because free will versus predestination is usually a huge topic that I have to talk about with clients because they believe like, uh, you know, this is just where God has me, that trigger phrase. Oh man. It's like, well, actually, what about free will and agency? And maybe your 18-year-old self that was just like, I'll do accounting is actually what led you there. Maybe you're not meant to be an accountant. Mm -hmm. So I think the just evaluating that and getting a clear understanding of what's up to you. And I have some podcast episodes that break that down. Um, But then moving into the more expected things that you're 
I'm sure anticipating coming out of my mouth. Evaluate what you're innately talented at. And a talent is innate. It can't be learned. It can't be chosen or developed, only uncovered, discovered, and utilized. And that is different than the things that you were told it would be valuable if you develop a skill or you know what, you would make a lot of money doing this or you know what everybody wants to see you be able to do is blah, blah, blah. Develop skills and strengths are different. Look at what is innate to you. Then in terms of who God created you to be, next look at how you're called to serve with that. And I actually put this step as optional because not everyone really resonates with the passions, fascinations, deep cares conversation. And that's just okay. I think that's been something that has held a lot of people back from genuinely realizing a calling is that they think, oh, I need to be in tears over this certain cause and go work for that. When in reality, I think actually a larger portion of the population, God has called to a function, not necessarily an objective. And that's okay because you're a free agent that's just ready to serve at whatever company that God is leading you to at that time. But some of you really do feel called to an objective, and that's great. But then I think that's a wonderful high-level conversation that most people, they're like, yeah, gotcha, Kelsey. Thanks. I feel no closer to my calling. And that's because truly that whole conversation doesn't really mean a whole lot if you don't find the actual job title that represents what you just came up with in your head. And the key way that I have found and developed in order to help you expand your awareness of what options are actually a match for that higher level vision that you have in your head is through informational interviews. Reach out to the five to 10 people that you're like, I mean, I don't know if they would know anything about what that's called, but maybe it's kind of in this industry. Or even if you're just like, well, heck, why don't I talk to like Tammy, my hairdresser, who probably talks to so many people? Why don't I just ask her, have you ever heard of a job that has XYZ and I'm kind of looking for this and I love spending my time doing this? What do you think? Oh, great. Okay. Do you know somebody who does that? awesome. Would you mind connecting me with them? Mm -hmm. That is how I have seen actually a decent portion of my clients end up in jobs that they've never heard of before because they have a relationally led job search. Where Mm -hmm. most dreams go to die is if you just try to think of keywords on your own and you are limited to what's already in your head Mm -hmm. and you go to LinkedIn or Indeed or Google and you look it up and zero of the job postings sound inspiring. So you're like, screw this. Kelsey was wrong. There really isn't anything for me. But if you ask people, that's how you find out that actually there's this super niche career that is exactly what you're describing. And yeah, actually they do pay pretty well. And no, you don't have to go to school to go get into that. And you know, I know this person over here that could pass along your resume. And why don't you just come Mm -hmm. join us? I've had clients regularly get jobs created for them that way through relationships. Um, So that's really the secret. I love it. No, those were so great and so like applicable, I think. And I think community is everything when it comes to our dreams. And mm-hmm. we didn't touch on this too much and we're running out of time, but make part two, like we said, because um, there's so many questions we didn't get to. Oh my gosh. Um, I think that having people in your life that you can go to them and be like, 
hey, I was thinking about this. Do you know anyone? Or just even like having a safe place to share your dreams and safe people to talk about your dreams with so they can encourage you. Just like my friend Courtney, who like knows I've been kind of on the back burner with the dream of this book that she's sending me random like mock-up covers to like encourage me so I could see it to life. Like, hey, this is not your book cover, but I'm just showing you how cool would this be, you know, just to like continue the encouragement. And so if you're in a situation where you feel like no one is supporting your dreams, no one is encouraging you, and I hope they're not talking you out of things. But if you find yourself in that spot, I would encourage you to even seek out people on Instagram, like people you look Mm -hmm. up to message them, you know, like that. Instagram can be such a beautiful place for that. Yes, I totally agree. Shout out to my best friend's uncle, which I can't make this up, you guys. His name is Uncle (laughs) Toot Toot. He was the one no. who told me that career coaching was a thing and that I'd be perfect for it. <laughs> like, Uncle Toot Toot straight up changed my life. Love him. What a great note to end on. Oh, my gosh. Well, thank you so much for reaching out to me to even have this conversation. Again, literally, like, you reached out to me. And like, look at this, like, this is like a future friendship, you know? And so don't be afraid to reach out for someone. The worst thing they can say is no. The best thing they can say is yes. And if they don't respond, really, it's like kind of a win-win situation, I guess, or whatever you want to call it. Just take that leap of faith. Like the amount of jobs I have got just by reaching out to people who I honestly didn't even think would respond and responded just get rid of that fear and just go after it. And again, like the worst thing they can say is no. And then you're moving on with your life. Thank you again so much. I love listening to you speak. You're so good with your words and you um, tell stories very well in like a way that it's easy for people to understand. Like you paint pictures really beautifully. So thank you so much. I know that people are going to be so encouraged by your words. And yeah, like we said, we're going to have to have like what part two, three, four to finish all these, these prep questions. 100%. Exactly. (laughs) Well, you're so generous and wonderful. I am so grateful for this conversation. My honor. You're the best. 